0: Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Friday, December 18th edition of the Basement Academy. Before we read our morning psalm, just a couple uh, notes. Uh, First is that uh, sighting of beauty and hope from last week that Judy Fretz sent off on the 21st, so just a couple days from now, uh, Jupiter and Saturn are aligning up, and so make sure you get outside and see that. I think it's supposed to be right after dark, and so why don't you check in on that, um, which will be on the first day of winter, so that'll be good. Uh, a couple administrative notes uh, for Christmas Eve um, to Things. We're not coming indoors uh, for worship. We just think trying to manage registration and seating and everything would be really tricky. So five o'clock, if you want to show up on the patio, the lawn area where we uh, had our Vespers services this summer, we're just going to sing some Christmas carols. It's really no more than that, but weather permitting, obviously, you know, if it's, if it's not raining or snowing, we could probably do it. If it's raining, we're not doing it. Um, but we'll just sing a bunch of Christmas carols, and if we can pull it off, we'll have candles, and we'll light the candles and sing Silent Night. So that's at 5 o'clock, probably, you know, 20 minutes worth of singing and being together. Uh, and then we're going to pre-record a Christmas Eve service that you can watch with your family at any time you wish uh, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, let's say, Okay. So just to, just to keep that in front of you. And then the Basement Academy after today uh, will pause for Christmas break, if we could say it that way. Uh, so take the next couple weeks off and then we'll resume on January 4th is the plan right now. Okay. And I think we're going to dive into just a Bible study. Uh, just look at the book of Ephesians. Um, so anyway, uh, you can just check back uh, as we get closer to the 4th and we'll be going from there. All right. Morning Psalm, Psalm 48. This is a song, it says, and it is a psalm of the sons of Korah. They are the worship leaders, okay, kind of the choir directors, as it were. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain, It is beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. Like the utmost heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. When the kings joined forces, when they advanced together, they saw her and were astounded. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them there. Pain like that of a woman in labor. You destroyed them like ships of Tarshish shattered by an east wind. As we have heard, so have we seen. In the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love like your name o god your praise reaches to the ends of the earth your right hand is filled with righteousness mount zion rejoices the villages of judah are glad because of your judgments walk about zion go around her count her towers consider well her ramparts view her citadels that you may tell of them to the next generation For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. And that is Psalm 48. So the worship leaders, the sons of Korah, rightly exalt or or lift up the beauty of the temple that is there in Jerusalem. And so talking about the, the majestic beauty, the strength, the fortress, the, the ramparts, and so just the physical structure and, and strength of it, as it were, kind of symbolically representing the presence of God, the beauty of God, the strength of God, the fortress that, that God is. And then, of course, within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. His love endures forever, as we heard a couple days ago in our morning psalm. And so I like this as we're kind of wrapping up uh, our couple weeks of reflecting on the backstory to the birth. This story is our story. (laughs) And so, for this God is our God forever and ever, He will be our guide even to the end. This story is our story the story of Jesus birth and all that goes with the backstory to that story to that birth and so the promises to Abraham are promises to us we are descendants of Abraham by faith we are the children by promise we are uh, blessed by the son of David we are subjects of that good and glorious kingdom under the lordship of uh, the son of David Jesus Christ and so all that we've been studying is true of us. This story is our story. This God is our God, and he will be our guide even to the end. So as we wrap up the the reflections, as we wrap up the year, the next time we meet as a basement academy will be in the new year. And what will the new year hold? (laughs) But 2020 has, in bringing us COVID, and all of the interruption and disruption and inconvenience and chaos and hardship of that, it has also brought us this, an opportunity to be together in this way, daily studying, reflecting, and praying uh, the Psalms and, and growing together in heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so uh, I'm thankful uh, for the many who have watched and attended these, who've sent uh, emails or texts or other ways of communicating your participation and appreciation for these studies. So thank you, and plan on keep going uh, in the new year. Uh, There's no reason to stop, is there? So that being said, let's uh, finish up a a set of reflections. The backstory to the birth, number 10. Okay, so we've done 10 of these. This will be the 10th one. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am in these backstory uh reflections am offering you an iconoclastic Christmas. Say what? <laughs> an uh, iconoclastic Christmas. Okay. Let's break the word down. <laughs> an icon is an image, right? So if you can think now we you know there's icons that show up on our phones, it's a little app thing that you click, but an icon in a religious sense, uh, uh, m- most commonly within like the Orthodox tradition. And so if you go into an Orthodox uh, sanctuary or cathedral, um, Roman Catholic as well, you will, you will see um, pictures and objects and statues. And so these are icons. Uh, a physical object or image or picture or representation that is used as an aid for religious devotion. Okay, so that's that's traditionally what we understand an icon to be. Okay. An iconoclast is one who then removes or tears down the icons. And there was a time in the iconoclastic controversy in the history of the church where these images that had arisen, these uh, religious aids to to devotional practice, um, there was a belief that those were not appropriate uh, as a violation of the commandments to make no graven image. Okay, and so we have the Ten Commandments and, and there's debate about that still. Okay, we Presbyterians tend to lean into the more iconoclastic direction and so uh, a Presbyterian sanctuary often will have be a little plainer. Um, don't always have you know, stained glass windows with images in them. Not all Presbyterian churches. I know sometimes they do. but Greenwich has certainly been one of those that has opted for a simpler gathering space, okay And so I am by nature a bit iconoclastic. okay? I'll just say it that way. Um, kind of the uh, a, a kind of a shorthand way of thinking is kind of the person who tries to like knock over the sacred cows, right? Okay, um, so to kind of taking that image of uh, you know where there's tradition, I, I honor tradition, but where tradition begins to get in the way of worship, that we start to almost be devoted to the tradition rather than the God of the tradition, as it were and so there's f- there's function and form okay so the function is worship let's gather for worship the form is the means by which we worship certain kind of music certain kind of hymnal certain kind of instruments certain kind of language okay and so f- uh, form has to fit function it is a common architectural um understanding and so The form something takes does shape the function that um, you're you're after, okay? And so we gather for worship on Sunday mornings for an hour at a certain time, and we gather and we hand out a bulletin, and uh, we sing hymns accompanied by piano or organ, but other churches sing uh, contemporary praise songs or contemporary hymns, accompanied by guitar and piano and drum, and so there are some who say, "Well, you can't have you know piano and organ because that's dead traditionalism, and so you, you're worshiping your dead traditionalism." And others will say, "Well, you're you're worshiping your drums and your guitars and you know your rock music, and that's fighting over the form." not the function. We all agree on the function. The function is gather to worship and sing praise. Most Christians fight about the forms of worship, not the function of worship. You know, some churches preach a 45-minute sermon. They can't. They wouldn't think of it otherwise. How could you possibly study God's word faithfully if you don't give it at least four, 30 to 45 minutes? Whereas in our Church setting, you know, anything that goes much beyond that twenty twenty five is starting to feel really long. 45 would feel, huh, you know, you got to be kidding me. So different forms, same function. Proclaim the word of God. Sing praises to God. Pray, uh, uh, take the sacrament this way. So that's what I mean, form and function. And so I, I, I tend to be a bit iconoclastic. It, I just... It's who I am as a person. So where I think the form is getting in the way of the function, I will talk to that, okay? And I think Greenwich is blessedly free from this and I've been here 20 years and so have been able to maybe, by my playing the guitar, keeps us open to that kind of music, but I certainly welcome and celebrate uh, you know other forms of music with piano and organ, the strings last weekend, so all of that, okay. So that being said, I've been in this, this, this back story to the birth, uh, the, the Christmas story, I've been kind of bringing an iconoclastic approach where I keep saying things like, let's not reduce Christmas to a kind of a sentimentalized, um, romanticized kind of mush, letting Hallmark you know, movies kind of uh, convince us of what the story is. So yesterday's study about the alternative nativity story that St. John gives us in the Revelation where there's the woman and the dragon and the child and the the war in heaven. That's scripture. But, But it's kind of shame on me for not having shared that. I've been here 20 years, and I've never done that as a sermon series for Christmas, because I always, you know, I'm a little afraid to just kind of bring that into Sunday morning. So the Basement Academy seemed like a more appropriate place to teach that. But I think I really should teach that. Perhaps next Christmas, I'll I'll be doing that. Because that alternative alternate nativity story from John's gospel pulls us into a wider scope a deeper backstory it takes us all the way back to Genesis and the the story of the serpent and and so here we have the dragon that ancient serpent who accuses God's people day and night and you know and so it's this warfare that's been going on since the garden that's what John's nativity story does for us. You don't pick that up in Luke. You don't pick that up in Matthew. Although in Matthew you do when you read on about the slaughter of the innocents. But we never do that, do we? So again, shame on me. I haven't been as icon- iconoclastic as I think I am. Uh, and so so the I, my concern is icons, that is forms, can become idols which then an idol is when we begin to make god in our own image or our imagination. So we now reconceive of the christmas story in a much more benign way than it actually was as we have in scripture. Jesus was coming and the battle was joined and Herod was paranoid and he killed the baby boys and so the angel warned Joseph in a dream get down to egypt quickly and so two things happen there. Jesus is protected from the, the slaughter of the innocents. Otherwise, he might have died. Not redemptively, he would have died tragically um, at the sword of, of of Herod. But then, that's another way that God's uh, prophecies get fulfilled. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. So Jesus takes on, kind of, he recapitulates Israel. So so all kinds of stuff going on there. But I don't read that story, right? We That's not part of our Christmas story. So my concern in these studies is to go to the backstory to help us understand the story and its impact, its edginess, its its its. Um It's it's not a soft, warm play-doh kind of let's just have Christmas and warm hot chocolate and chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Enjoy those moments, but understand that Christmas is about Jesus coming to do battle, (laughs) and He's coming to do battle with the sword that comes out of His mouth. And so He grows up and He teaches, and He speaks the truth. And the Pharisees oppose Him, and Herod tried to rid Him early, and then Pilate and all of this opposition that Jesus meets is reflective of that reality that the world is at war with God, that Adam and Eve walked away from God, wanted to become gods unto themselves, and then sin is transmitted from generation to generation, and so the human family, we can look around in our world now, right? And we see so much that is antithetical to the truth of God that's even emerging in our own culture as our own culture drifts further and further away from, I think, constitutional principles that are founded in, um, in, in truth as we find in Scripture. And so I don't want to get into a whole, well, that'll be another day. We'll get into, you know, Constitution and, and Bible, but, but I think you know what I mean. So... What I've been trying to do is to capture the Ken Bailey statement that I shared um, last week to rescue the truth from familiarity. We're so familiar with the gospel story, I'm sorry, with the Christmas story that we lose the impact. We lose the backstory. And even when we hear the backstory, we might kind of say, you know, I don't want to get messed up with that dragon thing and the Herod killing babies thing. I just want the shepherds, and the angels at the stable and that's all i want okay and so i'm trying to rescue the truth from familiarity i'm convinced that the backstory to the birth all these prophecies that we've looked at the the old testament stories gives footings and foundations when we built our building we had to drill down and we had to do these concrete footings to give good solid foundation for the weight-bearing building that was going to be built on top of it. And so it is. If we're going to build a life on Jesus Christ, we have to understand the anchor, the, the, the footings, the foothold, the solid rock that sits behind Jesus. The centuries of God's work in, in the world with the family, uh, Abraham's family and the Jews. And so all those promises and prophecies. So the backstory is giving us foundation. And so what I'm doing is fighting against the cultural captivity of Christmas and the gospel. American culture has captured Christmas because it can profit off of it. It's about cold, hard cash. It hasn't figured out a way to profit off of Easter very well, right? So you get Easter bonnets, and you get bunnies, and you get a bunch of chocolate for a couple weeks, right? Okay, that's, what, that's all you get at Easter. But Christmas is this spending spree. It's just people just open up their pocketbooks, and so much money is spent at Christmas. And so the marketing of Christmas in America that's what I mean by the cultural captivity. So I'm trying to at least fight against that for Christians. I'm not expecting these messages to get out beyond anybody in, in Greenwich. I'm speaking to the Greenwich family who knows me and I trust knows my heart, okay, what I'm about. I don't want to scold, okay? In fact, I'm trying to fight against turning into a Scrooge, okay? So forgive me if if I've ruined your Christmas <laughs> with these studies that's not my intention so i do not want to say bah humbug you know you can't have a nativity scene and you can't enjoy the angels and the shepherds and mother mary with her little baby jesus i forgive me if i've done that i'm not intending so i don't want to become a bah humbug scrooge but as pastor who's committed the truth and living by the truth and to teaching the truth and upholding these scriptures I have a I took a vow, an ordination vow and, and one of the commitments I have is to teach the truth, to live into the truth and so I frequently and will pray, uh, I think when we conclude here in a moment that if anything I've said is unhelpful is untrue, unworthy of God, of the, of the scriptures, of, of the kingdom, that God would blow it away, that you would just forget everything I've said about that thing that is not true. But if it is true, Lord, cause your truth to abide. I think the Christmas story is a wonderful story to preach. But in preaching it, you can't complete, you don't know the Christmas story until you have the Easter story that goes with it. And the backstory, so you need the sequel to the Christmas story is the Easter story, right? And the prequel, the backstory is all of this, all of these prophecies, Abraham and David and and so on. So anyway, that's what I've been after. And it might be now that we've kind of concluded these, it might be interesting over the next couple of weeks to go back and watch them again, because every you know you watch a movie again or you read a book again, you kind of catch things the second time around, and so maybe use these next couple of weeks when we're pushing the pause button on our basement academy, as we get into our Christmas celebration. Remember, Christmas is 12 days, starting on the uh, 25th and going for 12 days, the 12 days of Christmas. Maybe re-listen to these uh, during that. Um, these are actually being transitioned into podcast format also that, that you don't have to watch the video. You can just listen. So you could be having your headphones on or have you know your, your iPhone with you, whatever, and you can be listening to the studies that way. Um, so anyway, I offer that. Here's the deal. There is only one hope for this world. One hope. It is Jesus. And that's what Christmas is about. This world, the world in solemn stillness lay. And so this this call to proclaim Jesus Christ against the backdrop of the people walking in darkness have now seen a great light. It is the darkness of this world that impels me to the iconoclastic tendency, the prophetic, edgy tendency. I just try not to be a Scrooge. But I just want to say there's only one hope, and it is Jesus, not just baby Jesus. Jesus, grown up and matured, obedient fully to the Father's will, even unto death on a cross, where he then fully atoned for the sins of God's people, and everybody then is welcome to embrace that Savior as he rises on the third day. He now, we preach forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. And that's what gives me my Christmas joy, that this Jesus whose birth we celebrate is coming again. <laughs> and, and I hope that we'll all be ready and we'll all be reconciled to him and to one another. And so uh, may these studies be used to renew your faith, your hope, your love in Jesus Christ, to love him more dearly, and to follow him and embrace him more fully. Okay? Well, amen and amen, and uh, maybe see some of you with Christmas carols. Uh, we'll see some of you on Sunday uh, for worship, this Sunday the 20th. Christmas carols uh, on the patio for a, a brief Vespers on the, on the 24th. And uh, we'll bring a very brief uh, message that we'll be recording uh, to bring you a Christmas Eve greeting, okay? Let's let's pray. And so, Father, make it so that with the wind of your Spirit you would blow away anything that is untrue, but cause that which is true and and needs to abide May that abide in our hearts. May we hold your word, your truth. May we hold Christ fast, this living word, in our hearts. Thank you for the prophets. Thank you for the apostles. Thank you for this sacred story and for the church that has proclaimed this story year after year after year for the past 2,000 years. May we faithfully uphold and tell this story and live into this story For this story is our story, O God. This God is our God. This Christ is our Christ. And so bless us each in our homes as we journey into the final days of our Advent preparation and into our Christmas celebration. May your favor rest upon us. May you bring that peace on earth and goodwill to our lives, to the lives of our loved ones, our community and world. In this we pray in the strong, loving, and powerful name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And may this God who is our God bless you and keep you now and forevermore. Amen.